welcome to Novel Finds, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. Hey, it's me, Maggie. We are so excited to be here for season three. We hope that you joined us last week for our episode on our third favorite books. I am kicking off our interview season. Uh, first author interview of season three. I am so excited. Not only that I managed to score the first author interview of the season, but also that we are talking about one of my favorite genres, uh, historical fiction and romance. Historical romance? I love it. I'm so excited. I am so happy to be welcoming Crystal Marquis to talk about her book, The Davenports. Crystal, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk about The Davenports. I am so excited to talk about it as well. I absolutely loved it. The Davenports is a wonderful, in my opinion, <laughs> a young adult historical romance that is set in the 1910s Chicago. And it is, correct me if I'm wrong, your debut novel. Yes, it is my debut novel, which is beyond my wildest dream. I'm so happy that I get to share it with so many readers. And it's just been a wonderful experience. Congratulations. That's huge. Yeah. We, thank you. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, Crystal, before we really delve into the book, I have to ask, I saw in your author bio that you have been to the book barn. Now I want to see if this is the same one because is it the book barn in Connecticut? Because I went there in 2021 and yes, I just have to say it, is. it was amazing. I went in Niantic, Connecticut. Yes. It's so beautiful and it's so fun. There's so many things to explore. And I love how the little areas are separated by genre and you find such great gems out there. It's great. You can definitely you get really lost. Do. It's a maze in the best way. Yeah. Every time I turn the corner, I was like, more books. Oh yes. my gosh. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Well, Crystal. Would you mind telling us just a little bit about yourself as an author and a brief synopsis of your book? Yes, of course. So my name is Crystal Marquis. As you know and stated, The Davenports is my debut. I started writing about 10 years ago, but more seriously in the past few years. The Davenports came to me during a time when I was in a reading slump and I was having a very difficult uh, go of it. I'm trying to find something that would really capture my attention. and. I also came across an article about C.R. Patterson, who is a man who escaped enslavement to create his own carriage business and later a car company. And I think it was the perfect storm because it was also leading up into November, which if anyone out there are aspiring authors, have done the NaNoWriMo Challenge in the month of November, National Novel Writing Month. And so it was just this convergence of all these great things that happen. And I started writing the Davenports during that challenge. And I got the first partial of the draft during that time. So it's been very exciting. Yeah, that is amazing. So the Davenports is about four young Black women growing up in Chicago in 1910. The Davenports are one of those few Black families with wealth and affluence. And they are in that time period and unique space where they have wealth and money and privilege, but they still have some barriers to them because of their race. And the story follows two of the Davenport children, specifically Olivia and Helen. Olivia is very much 
following the path laid out for her. She's very much looking for a husband, making her parents proud, whereas her younger sister, Helen, really wants to pursue a career in the company, in the family business. She wants to be a mechanic and she wants to bring it into the future and introduce automobiles to the carriage company. Olivia's best friend, Ruby, is also of status and wealth, but her family is going through some transition as her father is running for mayor. And she's trying to catch the eye of John Davenport, their older brother, as a possible uh, potential match. And then lastly, there's Amy Rose, who grew up with the Davenports as a playmate, but is now a maid in the household. But she's looking to branch out and start her own company in hair care and a salon. And she also has a crush on John. So there's a little bit of some of that romance and that love triangle that I know is a trope that people have issues with, but I love a good love triangle. So yeah, I'm very excited. Amazing. Amazing. It sounds like it was just completely meant to be. Everything really fell into place for this novel to happen. I am curious, just before we um, keep going, did you always know that it was going to be is it going to be a duology or a series or did you intend for it to be a solo novel at first, but then sort of realize you had so much more to say? So I think the plan was for it to be a duology. Yeah. And right now it does have this feeling that I can go on, that there's a little bit of a openness to the story and much more that I would like to explore and to say, especially about this time period and, you know, the girl power that's going on mm. in the story that I love. Every single one of your characters is just a powerful woman in such a different way. I think it's absolutely inspiring. Uh, Crystal, do you have, yeah, of course. (laughs) Do you have a favorite line or section that you would like to share with us? So one of my favorite lines is pretty early in the book. It's one of Olivia's chapters and it's after she's been shopping for a bit and she gets into an uncomfortable situation with one of the shop girls and this is something she keeps in her mind and she said she remembered her mother's words to always rise above because her family was rare wealthy beautiful black ruby wore her wealth like armor usually in the form of jewels and furs olivia preferred the understated air she observed in her mother today those perfect manners manners didn't matter her beauty was no shield all the young girl before her could see was the color of olivia's skin So like one of the things that was really important to me was to showcase this time period where um, Black girls had this opportunity from their parents making and capitalizing on the Reconstruction era and kind of bringing that wealth and um, privilege with them, but then also seeing that barriers and that difference. And I think it really sets up Olivia's character for her foray into early activism. And I think one of my other favorite quotes is in a Amy Rose chapter is when she's told ain't nobody just anything. And I think it's really important for people to see that you get to choose who you want to be and how you want to live your life and to not let perception of others hold you back. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think this book is is just tackling he, these huge topics of race, especially in the 1910s, but also so much about 
gender inequality and what these women are capable of doing just as single women and how much mm-hmm. they need a man to be on their side. What would you say sort of constitutes as a strong female lead? And did you always know that you were going to write multiple different uh, female perspectives or did one character sort of come to you first? So the plan was always to write from multiple point of views. Some of my favorite books are those where there's multiple characters and you get to be inside their head for a little bit. And the whole progression of the story is kind of like a tennis match or like you're hitting to the next player and they continue on the story. So those have always been my favorite. So that was definitely in my plan when I was going into the story to have multiple point of views. And I think as far as a strong female lead, I think owning that vulnerability when you don't know what next to do, but then also trusting in your own skills, your own conviction, um, and your own beliefs. Like all the girls in the story are risk takers and they kind of weigh what their family expects of them and what society expects of them. And then ultimately chooses what's best for the future that they want to achieve. And I think that they're very brave and confident in choosing that path for themselves, especially during this time of transition where, you know, women are entering the workforce and they're getting Mm -hmm. a little bit more independence, making their own money. But then they also have this sense of community and um, connection to their family where it is important to please your parents. There's definitely something to be said of seeing what your parents want for you and seeing the kind of life that you want to lead. And then, you know, being brave enough to choose your life and choose your own path. And I think that was really important for me to convey that these four young women ultimately, ultimately choose themselves in this story. Yeah, it's, it's completely inspiring. I just fell in love with every single one of them. I, I felt like they, they all had so much to say just about Everything. I mean, I can't stress enough that it's like class, race, gender, marriage, like the things that each of them are able to achieve and go for and the struggles that they have when they can't, they can't get what they want because there are just things in their way that, that yeah, there are, they are all so, they are so absolutely incredible. Would you say that you, and it must be so difficult. It's probably just horrible of me to ask, but do you have a favorite character or do you have one that you you empathize with or relate to the most? So I would say a li- all of the girls have a little bit of me in them. So it is really hard to choose which one. I think going into it, I was very much aligned with Olivia. I'm the oldest mm-hmm. of four children. So there's a lot of responsibility with being the first girl. So I definitely related to that. But I think as the story went on, I related most to Amy Rose. She is branching out in this like new endeavor that is very strange to her. For me, writing was not what I went to school for. It was a hobby. It's a whole new world. So it's definitely a leap of faith to go outside of mm-hmm. your comfort zone to follow a passion that you may not that may have surprised you. And I think the most fun person to write though was ruby like she's so impulsive and writing her and she makes a decision talking about her like she she wrote herself um (laughs) it was i was like oh my god ruby why'd you do that now i have to go and fix this like (laughs) 
but yeah, it was definitely a lot of fun. That is amazing. Ruby out of the four of them definitely has the most chaotic energy, but I really respected it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's actually so interesting that you say that though, because when I started the book, I had so much passion for Olivia's story first. And then about halfway through the story, I just, I just wanted Amy Rose to succeed. So mm-hmm. it's just, I, I can, I feel like I read that in your writing, sort of like once Olivia sort of has the courage to do what she wants just a little bit more. And mm-hmm. then you're just rooting for Amy Rose. I just, I just, I want her to have everything she wants. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you just write them with so much passion. I completely see your, your love for them in your writing. Would you say that any of the stories were the easiest or the most difficult to write? Um, did any of them sort of go through conflicts or, you know, if you want to spill the tea, romantic issues that you could relate to. So I'm going to say, I don't know if anyone was more difficult than the other. Mm-hmm. I definitely had a lot of fun with each of them. And I think it helped writing in the four points of view, because mm-hmm. when I got stuck, I just switched to another character and then totally. it would reveal itself. Sometimes in the story, a one girl's journey would help me come to a decision on the next person who is coming mm-hmm. up. I would say probably Olivia's because mm-hmm. she she's taking the reader on this journey of discovery about what's going on and this activism life that she's very sheltered. So there was a balance between how much she knew and understood and like how far to bring her into this new world as someone who is sheltered, like what she would understand and kind of developing her own um, courage in pursuing yeah. pursuing that. Yeah. Her character growth is really, it's top tier. I, I'm so curious to see where she's going to go. And you really, you feel for her in such a powerful way because she's so sheltered and, but, she, but she's passionate and she mm-hmm. just doesn't know. She just didn't know. And, and once mm-hmm. she learns, she just wants to help. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just so good. Um, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like showering you with compliments. Um <laughs> I know it's so fun because like now that the book is out and there's people who've read it, I feel like I can talk about it like a lot in a lot more in depth, which is gets me into trouble as you did <laughs> a couple minutes ago. Um but yeah, it's just so fun to be able to share it with people. So I'm excited. Yeah, it's amazing. I um I work at a bookshop. I live in Edinburgh in the UK and we have stocked this book in. These these are topics that a lot of kids here just don't learn about because, of course, they learn about the American Revolution and and they definitely get some, you know, United States history. But we're in the UK, so they're learning about their own. And I get to pitch this book to them all the time about like this era and this time period that they knew nothing about. And it's it's just really, really it's 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 a fun flirty sweet book but it's also I just I just think you're you're tackling so many topics in a way that is so digestible for young readers which I I think Mm -hmm. is really incredible you know obviously I I keep saying so much is going on in the book what would you say is sort of the main conflict of the story so I think the main conflict of the story is each of the girls trying to take control of their future versus what their parents kind of expect for them it's definitely a coming of age story where 
each of these girls are growing up, they're finding out what they like. Mm-hmm. And it's even through the relationships that they have with the gentlemen that are courting them. I yeah. think they learn a lot about how they want to be treated, how they want to be supported by a partner. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of helps them firm up their decisions about, you know, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And it also, I think, brings the siblings together because they're seeing each other struggle and they're finding out that maybe they have a little more in common and strength in numbers because of this pressure that they have to like live up to the Davenport name or in Ruby's case, the Tremaine name. And then for Amy Rose, um, it's a memory of her mother. She's like always thinking about like, is her mother proud of her? Is she like following her dreams in a way that kind of pays tribute to her memory? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we've talked a bit about how this is obviously historical fiction. And of course, Mm -hmm. you mentioned briefly about the Patterson dynasty, which uh, this, the Davenport family is based on. Um, How much research went into telling this story? How much, you know, fact versus fiction sort of went into your storytelling? And um, would you say there was anything really surprising in the research that you did? Yeah, so like a lot of my research was with uh, articles that I had found online. Um, the the story that sparked it all was an article I found through the Smithsonian, and it had Frederick Patterson, Sarah Patterson's son, in front of an automobile, and he's in a suit and his bowler hat, and he's like posing in front of it, and the tagline was first and only um, black owned automobile company," and that was I was like, "Wait, what? That happened? That was a thing?" So you know, that kind of started me going and I was looking at more information about the family. I found some articles. So the original family was based out of Ohio. Mr. Patterson had escaped slavery in Virginia, started out as a blacksmith and opened up a carriage company that was later converted to an automobile company by his son. So like that basis of the patriarch starting this company after escaping slavery was what inspired uh, the Davenports. And I think a lot of the information that I found about that time period when I was trying to flesh out the story, you know, Chicago kept popping up. They had a very strong um, community of Black Americans who opened banks, had their own, um, like, convenience stores, restaurants, this whole booming economy that I decided to move the story to Chicago mm-hmm. kind of helped support that and to you know capitalize on that like rich yeah. diverse history that they had and the Chicago Public Library had so much information online it was amazing it what really helped I think probably because of the lockdown yeah there's so many things available online that really helped with my research did anything come up that was sort of surprising for you in your research oh yeah so I was really surprised to find out that this instance wasn't isolated, that there were a lot of Black Wall Streets all across the country. It was interesting to know that people went out to California, to New York, Philadelphia. Um, one of these Black Wall Streets used to be in Central Park. And as someone really? who, yeah, um, as someone who lives in Connecticut, who goes down to Manhattan all the time and goes to Central Park, I was very surprised to know that there was this thriving community that was demolished to make Central Park. 
so yeah that was um Seneca Village and that story was very like surprising for me to find out when I was doing research about similar cities that had these like booming uh economies and cities within a city so yeah that was surprising but I think there is a lot of entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. and uh, success that I hadn't learned about in school that I was very interested to see yeah Absolutely. It's sort of a, um, it's not something that I feel like I had the education on at all. It was something that after reading your book, I was like, it really piqued my curiosity. And it's something I did a bit of research on after, especially I lived in Chicago for a few years. I was just, I was so curious about, you know, your inspirations there. And it's such an interesting time of history that, um, we just don't have books on until now. Mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah, I think it's really interesting. Crystal, this is a bit of a selfish question because I'm dying <laughs> to know because I have zero patience. <laughs> um, so tell me about the sequel to the Davenports. Mm-hmm. What are we going to see? Is it going to be a continuation of the same issues and romances that we saw in book one? Or are you sort of moving towards different things? So it is a continuation of book one. It takes place a couple of weeks after book one ends. Okay. So yeah, so the girls made a couple of interesting decisions at the end of book one. They sure so, did. <laughs> so we get to see those kind of play out, the consequences of those decisions. And then um, they get a little bit of a surprise that helps them, you know, test out the futures as they want them so they get a, a chance to showcase their skills and to really play with the path that they kind of are leaning towards so I feel like that's pretty interesting and I'm really excited to you know dive back into their stories and then see where their relationships and their choices take them 100% I I cannot wait to read the sequel. Um, have you already started writing it? This is, this is probably really good of me to ask. Have you already started writing it? Or um, are you waiting for uh, NaNoWriMo again to sort of kickstart uh, the second book as well? I am already writing it. So that's Amazing. Really exciting. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not going to quite wait till NaNoWriMo. I want to get... Yeah. The story, you know, will flesh out. Maybe I'll use it for editing purposes. But yeah, it's definitely um, a lot of fun. And NaNoWriMo really helped set up that cadence of writing every day, which I'm mm-hmm. immensely grateful for because it's definitely a habit that I want to keep. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Fun. So NaNoWriMo, how difficult was it? What was sort of a day in the life while you were writing this book? So it was pretty difficult. Then when I did the partial for the Davenport, I didn't quite hit the 50,000 word goal, um, but I did pretty consistently write every day. Mm-hmm. I describe it as if you're a person who works out, if you go to the gym two or three times a week, like you get into that rhythm, you get into that like cadence. Yeah. I don't feel guilty or try not to feel guilty if I miss a day, um, but I definitely committed to writing a little bit each day so I would when I started I think I was working nights so I'd get Mm -hmm. home around five o'clock in the morning eat breakfast 
you know, relax for like 20 minutes and then write. I kind of treat it like a brand new day. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then write for two or three hours and then go to sleep. So it was very busy. And keeping to that schedule really helped just because like trying to work full time while writing um, is a balancing act. So mm-hmm. I found keeping a very strict schedule and a lot of sweetest fish and gummy bears on hand. <laughs> Incredible. Swedish fish. Yeah. What a throwback. Those those rock. <laughs> yeah. Um, so are you finding now with the second one that um you're having much more time to write after the first one, or is it still something where you have to keep um a strict schedule with yourself? I think I need to keep a strict schedule for mm-hmm. myself just because it's very easy for me to daydream and think that counts as writing. <laughs> it doesn't like playing the scenes in your head doesn't make it appear on a screen so yeah yeah having the schedule definitely helps I hear you I love thinking days yeah <laughs> when I do my own projects I'm just like just think about it yeah it's okay <laughs> yeah, I totally but... figure out this plot hole okay now can you sit down and like actually write it thanks <laughs> <laughs> yeah that might take me five to seven business days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I got to keep that schedule. I hear you. <laughs> um, well, what are uh, the genres and, and the authors that really inspire you? So I, I read across like so many genres. I just mm-hmm. love really good storytelling. I love yeah. protagonists that you can follow. I love ones that you want to root for and like pull out your heartstrings. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to gravitate towards historical fiction, sometimes sci-fi and fantasy. I occasionally like toss in the contemporary in there, but I'm definitely a historical romance or fantasy that kind of has a historical leaning. Um, yeah, totally. Background. Yeah. So I really love those. Um, one of my favorite authors is Elizabeth Peters. So she wrote Yes. Um, a series of historical fictions. Yes. One of my favorite characters of hers is Amelia Peabody, who is a um, young woman who wants to be an uh, archaeologist. And they're like, oh, women aren't archaeologists. But she gets this inheritance um, after her father passes. And she's like, I don't care. I have all this money. I'm going to do it anyway. So I just love that she kind of bends those gender roles and heads into a male dominated field and even her love interest is very supportive and like I call him like an early feminist and it takes place about the same time as my novel so it was definitely definitely inspiring to have like this female character who was like so strong and bold and I think that really influenced me and I love characters who are just very strong in their convictions and you know kind of push the boundaries a little bit yeah absolutely that is amazing so leading into it then crystal the question we ask all of our guests Mm -hmm. what is your all-time favorite book i know i everyone always asks me this and i never really have a good answer i give them like five and they're like (laughs) one one book please um it's so hard. I really did think about this. Um, it's all right. So I would, <laughs> I I would say like when I was younger, I really liked Alice in Wonderland. I mm. loved the whimsy and the silliness. And like as I got older, I'm like, oh, this is definitely like a kid who doesn't want to grow up. 
totally relate to that same um but yeah I just really liked that story and it was just very fun mm-hmm. um but I also like when I was older I really got into the Dear America series which is a series of um like middle grade young adult books told in important historical moments in time um mm-hmm. some of them most of them are American history but I think they did a few like from the perspective of other like great young women but it's written in a journal or a diary form so it's like you're following along in these girls lives during these pivotal moments like the American Revolution or the Industrial Age um I think they had one for Cleopatra and Queen Elizabeth I so you're reading what looks like their diary during these important times of history and I think that really stuck with me too that we had all these um great snippets of like life and yeah I just I just love those books too no those sound great it reminds me there was this tv show on pbs Mm -hmm. about um kids who traveled back in time and like got stuck in different eras I don't know if you remember that but I loved that show (laughs) definitely sounds familiar and I'm totally blanking on the name of it but I think I know what you're talking about (laughs) yeah but it, the, those books kind of give me that same that same vibe of like, God, I love historical fiction for young adults. Mm-hmm. I I just love it. It's it's like warmth in my heart. Yeah. Um. Well, Crystal, before we let you go, mm-hmm. final thoughts. Where can people find you um, on social media if they're looking to keep up with you in your writing journey? And mm-hmm. do you have a favorite independent bookshop? where they can buy the Davenports. Yeah. So for final thoughts, I would say definitely follow your passions. I think it's really important to stay true to yourself and see where that leads you. Uh, Like I said, I had not imagined writing a novel and having it out there in the world, but I think being brave enough to kind of follow where your passion takes you is really empowering. And I hope that like the characters in my book that you really take a chance and believe in yourself and uh, take that from the story. As, as I'm writing the second book and talking about other events, you can find me on Twitter at Crystal Marquis and also on Instagram at Christabel underscore read. So I will right now it's kind of like a Davenport spam account, but I think, <laughs> I think I'll start reincorporating um, my reads and my reviews So, yeah, I like to post there about what I'm reading and what books I'm looking forward to and any news I have about my writing there. And then Riverbend Bookshop in Connecticut. They have two locations, one in Clastonbury and one in West Hartford. But you can also find them online if you'd like to order a copy of the Davenports. Incredible. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Um, For those of you who are interested, I will link... Uh, Crystal's social media, as well as a link to the bookshop in our episode description. Um, Crystal, thank you so much for joining us. It was such a pleasure to get to talk to you about the Davenports. Yeah, (laughs) just thank you so much. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. And I just really enjoyed my time. Thank you. I did as well. (laughs)
Well, we heckin' did it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, share us with your other bookish friends and family. And if you're listening with Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review the show. And if you are interested in joining our Novel Finds community on Patreon, please follow the link in our bio. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Novel Finds Podcast. Thank you so much for being a novel friend. We will see you all next week. Bye.